welcome back to the Living Out Love podcast. I am so excited you're here. I have been working on this episode for, I don't know, at least a month. It feels like much, much longer than that. And it's a big topic. And I thought it was going to be one episode and it has become two because it is such a big topic. And not just big in the sense of there's a lot to cover, but also big in the sense of how important it is, how impactful it is in our lives. So today's topic is when you have messed up. (laughs) And we all do it. We all make mistakes. We all repeat unhealthy patterns. We all self-sabotage. We all let our emotions get the better of us. We all hurt other people, knowingly or unknowingly. We all get to be messy humans sometimes. And not only are we all guilty of messing up, but we can all plan to mess up again because it's about 100% likely that we will before we die. We're going to mess up again. Even those of us who are consistently focused on our personal development, seeking feedback, giving feedback, you know, the more we grow, the more the arenas that we are are playing in, they change, and the more likely we are to mess up. So because there are new unspoken rules to learn and new people to work with, or because when we get to the new arenas, we self-sabotage. So I started this writing this, I mentioned this before, I started writing this as a single episode, but because there's so much involved in this topic, I'm, I'm breaking it up into two. Be sure to pay attention next week as well. Today, we will be discussing the why. Why do we mess up? Why do we engage in self-sabotaging behaviors over and over again or engage in very destructive behaviors over and over again? Um, Next week, we're going to discuss the how. How do we fix it? But you need to listen this week because if you don't understand the why, the how is not going to make sense either. And before we jump into the why, I do need to address something up front. For the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to say that there are two different types of mistakes. The types of mistakes that we make unknowingly and the types of mistakes that we make knowingly. For example, in the past, I was a very jealous person and I knew that emotionally lunging out at my partner with accusations was a mistake. I knew I would be better to admit how I was feeling or to seek counseling or to deal with it some other way. But many times I would be accusatory or demanding or confrontational, knowing full well that it was a mistake. Why did I do that? Why do we do that as humans? Why do we do that to ourselves and to others over and over and over again? Today's episode, I'm talking about the mistakes that we make knowingly the times when we know better than to do what we're doing, but we do it anyway. That's what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about reframing your mistakes as failing forward. That is a great perspective and that does apply to many things, but it usually applies to the unknowing mistakes. You know, sometimes we're like actively trying to do something right and it just doesn't work out. That is failing forward. That's not what I'm talking about today. Today, we are strictly talking about the known mistakes. So back to my question. Why did I continue to act out when I was feeling jealous? Why do we all continue to make the mistakes that we make 
when we know full well that they are mistakes? Why do we continue behaviors that we know will hurt ourselves and others? And what do we do about it? I'm going to give you two main reasons today behind the why. First reason is we don't know how else to handle the situation. And that is so simple and it sounds so simple and benign, but it's actually quite dangerous. It sounds like all we need to do is an internet search of what to do when I'm feeling jealous and just find some good tips. But if it were that simple, we would have done that by now. Maybe we have done the internet search and we're still struggling. Take the example of me being jealous. I knew every single time that my acting out while I was feeling jealous was completely destructive, but I didn't know how else to handle the situation. While I wasn't feeling jealous, I could see what I was doing. I could understand the behavior. I could see that I had let the jealousy take control of my decision-making, and I could swear up and down that in the future when I was feeling jealous, I would not let it control me again. But when the time came and I was feeling jealous, I could no longer think clearly, and so it left me with no options but then to repeat the same automatic behavior that I would engage in when I was in that jealous emotional state. This happens to all of us. We get emotionally hijacked and we act on that emotion. I actually had a a step up because I grew up practicing emotional intelligence practices. So I was at least aware of what was going on. Many of you listening don't actually know the feeling that you are experiencing or the feeling that you're trying to avoid experiencing. So you don't even know the reason you behave the way you do. The reason you behave the way you do is because of a feeling, and the feeling is caused by a belief. Which brings me to my second reason that we all do things that we know are harmful. The first reason was we don't know how else to handle the situation. The second reason, we don't believe we're capable or deserving of doing it differently. This one is much trickier to explain Because our brains like to tell us that we believe things that we really don't. My brain likes to tell me that I'm not jealous. I'm not crazy. My partner is actually out of line. What my brain most certainly does not want to tell me is that I have a belief that I am unlovable. And because I have a belief that I am unlovable, I look for all the ways that people who claim to love me are actually going to hurt me or leave because my brain reinforcing itself makes me feel safe. And stick with me on this because you may be shaking your head and thinking our brains reinforcing a negative belief does not keep us safe. It keeps us in harm's way. And you're right. Ultimately, you are right. But our brains are pattern-making and predicting machines, so their ability to pattern and predict is what makes us feel safe. It gives us the feeling of safety, not necessarily the experience of it. So using my example, if I have a belief that I am unlovable, being loved will not make sense to my brain. My brain can't figure that out. It doesn't fit the pattern or the prediction. So when I am loved, my brain will look for evidence that the love isn't real or isn't lasting, that it can't be trusted. 
so that my brain can prove its belief that I'm unlovable. And here's the worst part. My brain or my ego, depending on how you want to define it, will find ways to make the belief real. Meaning, I might sabotage the relationship. I might accuse my partner too much or too often. I might behave in ways that push my partner away. And not wanting to tolerate my bad behavior, my partner will leave. Then my brain says, ha ha, you are unlovable. The world makes sense again because you're alone and unlovable, just as I said you were. And we actually get a sick sense of satisfaction when these things happen, when we get our beliefs reinforced. What we really wanted was the healthy relationship. But being able to make sense of the world brings us a different type of peace. It's the peace of predictability. Or should I say the perceived predictability? <laughs> and it's our brain's piece rather than the actual piece of the situation. Again, this is tricky. Most often, these deep beliefs we have about ourselves and the world, they're hard to identify. And even when we have identified them, they can be hard to change. And this is actually good news, if you can believe it. This is really good news. If you've been behaving badly, and you can't figure out why, now you know. Your brain needs to get into alignment with a new belief system. That's why. Your brain just needs a new pattern. Let's look at another example. Let's look at the famous example, the trendy example of worthiness. The term worthy is so popular because it's belief that almost all of us struggle with. And on the surface, we think that we don't. We believe we're worthy of having a steady, predictable income, of healthy relationships, of getting our needs met, whether that's the basic human needs like clothing and shelter, or the more soul-focused needs like beauty, expansion, healing. On the surface, we look at each of those things and think, sure, I'm deserving of that. Of course, I'm deserving of that. Everyone's deserving of that. The deeper beliefs we have about ourselves and the world are not so easy to discover. In fact, at this point in the process, I often take myself out of my own hands and seek outside help. Typically for me, this is some sort of facilitated intervention, counseling, a family constellation session, or a conversation with another intuitive. Sometimes this work can be done on your own, you could look at your pattern of behavior and pretty easily identify the belief. In my example of being jealous, that was pretty straightforward. I felt jealous a lot and was behaving badly. I could detect that pattern and realize there was a part of me that was unwilling or incapable of having a healthy relationship in which I felt safe and loved. For me, it was pervasive. I had dreams about people leaving me, whether it was through betrayal or abandonment, it was obviously coming up for healing. Obviously. But not everything is so straightforward. Sometimes our behavior changes. The dreams change. It's less obvious what it is our brain is trying to create in order for us to feel safe. And again, this is about perceived safety. Meaning, for our brains, the world being patterned and predictable if my brain is used to being unloved, my perception of unloved, 
it feels safer to my brain to continue that pattern than it does to try on the new outfit of being loved. And ultimately, that can keep us stuck. Whether it's unhealthy or not, it can keep us from moving forward onto bigger and greater things. These, you know, primitive brains of ours, they they want nothing more than to keep us safe, which is a beautiful thing because we are adaptive and learning creatures and we are protective tribal creatures because of these brains. But sometimes the perceived threat are the things that our brains perceive as threats aren't actual threats. And so we got to stay on top of our brains. Back to some deep beliefs around worthiness. Let me get back to that. Many of us have beliefs such as, you have to work hard to have money. My family won't love me if I have money. Or, there's always more work to be done. I'll rest when I'm retired. And now these examples you think aren't about worthiness on the surface. But if you have a belief, I'll rest when I'm retired. That's what retirement is for. Imagine the experiences that you will not have in the meantime the trips you won't take, even the weekend walks in the park, they won't occur to you as a possibility because your brain has allotted anything deemed as rest to not now, another day in the future. So it's not that you're actively thinking, I can't take walks, I can't go on vacation. It's that your brain has said, I'll rest when I'm retired. I'm not retired yet, so rest doesn't come up in my brain as a possibility. Or let's look at the belief, you have to work hard to have money. That doesn't seem like it's related to worthiness at all. It seems like it is simply a true statement about the way the world works. But how hard do you have to work? And for how long? And for how much? As you start to dig into it, you'll notice that the belief keeps your brain in a spiral. Work hard to make money. Work hard to make money. And when your brain is focused on that as a seemingly true statement, it doesn't allow for other possibilities. Perhaps I make a smart investment. Perhaps I create something that produces residual income. Perhaps I don't need as much money as I thought if I made different choices. There are all sorts of other options out there that your brain isn't open to. It isn't considering. It's not focused on. It's not in the line of sight because you're stuck in the repeating pattern, predictable thought line of work hard to make money, work hard to make money. And it's the spiral, work hard to make money, work hard to make money. It goes around and around and around. And again, this doesn't seem like it's about worthiness, but it is. Because if you're not open to other possibilities, then you're limiting yourself. And any sort of limit you put on yourself limits what you can receive, your worthiness. I encourage you to dig deeper with your beliefs. And I have nothing against worthiness. It's something most of us struggle with. But go deeper and wider than that. What other beliefs do you have that are limiting you in some way? that are taking your brain down a certain path so far that you cannot even see the other paths available. Okay, to recap, I discussed two reasons why we behave badly even when we know better. And again, this is the knowingly, the sabotaging, the detrimental 
behavior, the type that you're going to want to go to a therapist for. We don't know how else to handle the situation. And we either don't believe we're capable or deserving of doing it differently. But there's more important information than just the cognitive patterning, excuse me, cognitive patterning. It's also the emotional patterning. Often we act out when we're scared, confused, angry, or to be more accurate, we act out when we are emotionally hijacked. We can't think clearly. It's too heightened. Whether we're afraid of feeling shame or we're trying to survive something that seems scary, when we engage in repeated bad behaviors, we are often experiencing strong emotions. And they're not always negative. Gluttony, for example, gluttony can feel really good in the moment. I love to eat chocolate. I love to eat too much chocolate. Give me all the chocolate. All of it. I'll take all of it. I love it. And in the moment, it feels so good. But later on, I'll wish I would have slowed down. I will have created some consequences for myself, my stomach and my skin that I will regret. But the reason we do anything at all is to feel a certain way. We lie to feel powerful. We bully to feel strong. We eat to feel comfort. And when you recognize that the reason we do things, we buy things, etc., is to feel a certain way, this will give you insight into part two. If you can discover your thoughts and your feelings or your desired feelings, then you can heal yourself. Remember that there is a difference between perceived safety, which I'm defining is your brain's ability to predict and pattern the world, and actual safety, which is your soul's ability to have the journey that it was meant to have here on this planet. Stay tuned next week for how we do that. We will walk through the different steps and methods for changing your behavior and changing your life. See you next week, loves. Until then, make it beautiful. Beautiful.